Happy Monday. Welcome to Homemaker Chic Podcast, where we are rescuing the art of homemaking every Monday and Thursday from the daily grind with red lips. We are not wearing any denim jumpers, despite how many Instagram messages you send us trying to convince us that denim jumpers are cute. We're not doing it. Okay. (laughs) I am Angela Reed of uh, Parisian Farm Girl blog, YouTube, Instagram. I am joined by Shay Elliott, my co-host 2000 miles away of the same platform, the Elliott Homestead blog, Shay Elliott over on Instagram, the Elliott Homestead YouTube channel. How are you, friend? Pretty good. (laughs) Pretty good. Pretty good. Are you you sure? Yeah, I still don't know why we decided to do these podcast episodes on Mondays. I don't know what we were thinking. Maybe we were just trying to be really genuine. Like, you know, our tagline, rescuing homemaking from the art of the daily grind. Well, Mondays are the grind, uh, the really grindy part. Oh, yeah. I've had a a toilet overflow. (laughs) A couple of my children Mm -hmm. are under the weather. Mm-hmm. Um, my bougainvillea in my bedroom is covered in worms and there's subsequent little bug turds all over my windowsill. Uh, great. Yeah. It's a great day mm-hmm. to be alive. Ladies sure. and gentlemen, we're glad you're here with us today. Today we are going to do a requested episode that keeps coming in because we also keep getting messages saying you guys haven't talked about your gardens in a really long time. So we're going to dabble in Vegetable gardening, flower gardening, gardening in the summertime, garden dreams, garden preserving, all that kind of fun stuff today. We're just going to have a nice little chat about it. So whether you're gardening in small pots on your apartment balcony or you just dream of having a garden or you are in the throes of gardening season, stay tuned. So we're going to go through it all. Bug turds and all. Bug turds and all. I think that our... I think we keep our gardening episodes interesting enough for the non-gardener, if I do say so myself. As we uh, get going today, we also would like to thank our patrons for keeping Homemaker Chic on the air. We mm-hmm. have uh, lots of podcast listeners just like you have shown their affection for the show, which touches us, helps us stay on the air. We have two levels you can join at. On our top level, you are going to get bonus video episodes full episodes of the show. So I know you see the trailers over on Instagram. If you would like to see the full episode, and what I always say is listen on Monday, watch the show a few days later, listen on Thursday, watch the show a few days later, visit us over at patreon.com forward slash Homemaker Chic Podcast, and you can get all the perks and help keep us thriving so I can afford enough towels to wipe up said overflowing toilets. (laughs) My just kitchen, kidding. My kitchen sink <laughs> overflowed twice this weekend. Your kitchen sink, I think between my toilets and your kitchen mm-hmm. sink, we're pretty uh, neck and neck. Mm-hmm. I feel like every four weeks I'm talking to you and your kitchen sink is overflowing. Yep. Thankfully, I was standing right there. And ladies, you got to know how to like reach under the toilet and turn the water off. Okay. If you don't know how to do that, have somebody show you. Mm-hmm. But it took a my toilet took a few seconds to get the message that I had turned the water off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Gosh, this is really Was gross. there stuff in it? Mm-hmm. Of course there was because of it was morning and apparently we all just pee and we don't flush in the morning. Sure. I don't know why. If we're tired or we're trying not to wake people up, don't quite get it. Uh, this is also, um, I've talked, I think I've talked on the show, maybe it was on YouTube. We have floating toilets, which are... Uh, God's gift to homemakers. So a floating toilet is mounted to the wall, not the floor. Okay. Which is fabulous. If I know you're going to be redoing a bathroom. So may I advise you to look into floating toilets because there's no like man slash child pee down on those like bolts on the floor. Yep. Yep. Okay. You know? Okay. You know when you have a baby and like that's the only thing your 18-month-old wants to play with? Yeah, the little caps. Little, those little caps on yep. the toilet floor and you're like gagging. Oh, stop playing. Stop touching that. Uh, <laughs> I want one I of those Victorian toilets. In I know. Bathroom. They're so expensive. They're they're so I found some cool. online. They weren't horrible. Well, they're more than a $199 Home Depot toilet. Well, yeah. But yeah. They are but floating cool. toilets are the way to go. However, I'm getting it to a point here. Uh, we don't have air conditioning, so our house gets humid. We've talked about Angela's humidity problem, <laughs> and so the toilets sweat. And uh, if you nice. remember when we bought the house, there was mm, carpeting. Mm-hmm. 
in the bathrooms. So that's yummy. Um, and now I put cookie trays under my toilets. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> really? I, to catch the sweat. Like they will soak the floor. It's disturbing. So that's Joel has to like weird. take apart the, you got to put like a hot water thing in there. Like there's this whole thing. I'm always saying to him, uh, hey, what's that thing we can do again? Hint, hint. To help with the sweating toilets. He did this liner thing last year where he drained the toilet. He put this liner in. Uh, these are my my homemaker problems, sweating wow. toilets. And so uh, there was a cookie tray under said toilet as it began to overflow. But then I had a full cookie sheet and a sopping wet floor. I had to like be carried over to the bathtub. So it's Monday. Monday welcome to Monday. homemaker sheet. I know. It's just gonna... <laughs> I said, welcome to homemaker sheet. Cookie sheet. Welcome to homemaker cookie sheet. <laughs> oh, boy. And here we are. Here we are. Yeah. So it would be it would do good to uh, talk about the garden because at least there's no plumbing involved. That's true. Well, let's cue the wine music, pour a glass, Please. and then get to it, shall we? Yes, as much as we love this song, what you do need to know more than the song is that you need to visit dryfarmwines.com forward slash homemaker chic sparkling. That is the link that you need to remember. Before we enjoy this fabulous garden conversation today, pour a glass with us, won't you? Here at Homemaker Chic, we drink dry farm wines. Dry farm wines are sourced from wines around the world and then delivered right to your doorstep. These beautiful wines are sourced from boutique, family-owned small vineyards from around the world and are a wonderfully chic way to fill your wine cabinet. So do that because just for two more weeks, you can get in on that special promotion that Dry Farms is doing for Homemaker Chic listeners. And they will also include a beautiful little Dry Farm wines stopper, wine stopper with that order as well. As long as you use that link, we'll make sure to tag it in the show notes as well. So you are sipping something today. What are you sipping today, my friend? I am. Uh, this is, we started this this weekend. This is, I've never had this one. Les Amis. Oh, yeah. It's a gamay. I just poured the last glass. So this is a red wine from the uh, Loire Valley, 100% Gamay. And um, why did I think this was a Beaujolais? I must have gotten another one from my order that was a Beaujolais. It was really good. It was just an easy wine. We had it with, yeah. um, I made some really good brats yesterday, soaked in onions and beer and then grilled and they were delicious. Mm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be honest, my cooking has been pretty uh, subpar lately. Um, I am playing uh, the, what's that? The easy button? Yeah. I'm playing the easy button. Easy button. Pushing the easy, pushing the easy button whenever I can. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is good. Summer is a good time for that. I went out to the gardens yesterday and gathered some tomatoes and zucchini and cucumber, just all the little things, you know, and just came back in and make a, made a smorgasbord. That's a word. Smorgasbord. It of is. It's this a word here in little Sweden here. Yeah. And, and it was great, but... You know, sometimes you do miss the effort that goes into a meal. Um, Just not enough to actually do the work right now. Actually, spoiler alert for all my cooking community members. August, we're basically doing a no cook recipe month. So it's all recipes that you can just put together with almost no cooking at all. So talk about the easy button. That's great. Well, yeah, everybody's busy. First of all, you're like for all of our homesteading canning type friends they're they're doing a lot they're putting up a lot of food okay a little burned out you put up food all day and then try to think about preparing a meal no yeah and it's hot and we've got another crowd that's homeschooling so they're getting ready for the school year and sending their kids to school i mean august is like such a big uh it's not like it's just a mental transition positioning you're positioning yourself for the mm-hmm. the next four weeks so i think no cook sounds yeah. Sounds like a really good idea. August is a perfect time to stock up with your dry farm wines because in my opinion, August and February, personal opinion here, are the two worst months of the year. Oh my gosh, you guys, you should try something <laughs> is going on with my computer. If I look distracted, I've got like some pop up just, huh? geez, you should try being friends with Shay during February. <laughs> right about the 17th. The phone will ring. <laughs> I can't do this. Is it just me? Is it hormones? I can't do it anymore. <laughs> Every year for the last six or seven years, I know that phone call is coming. 
it's true. <laughs> Finally, it's- like two years ago, I, I got it. I figured it out. I'm like, just take a deep breath, get a little paper bag, ride it out, ride it out. You're just excited. Well, and last year we planned our New Orleans trip totally last minute because oh, yeah. We did because it the first of week of February. March. Yeah, it gave so it gave me sort of something to direct my mind to. But August is a transitional time where like tomato harvest is in full swing and you've got all this stuff coming off and all your work is just exploding. And you're also ordering homeschool curriculum and you're also, you know, doing your all these just I don't know. It's just it's a it is that you've got a foot in both ponds. You've got a foot in summer because it's very much still summer and you've got a foot yeah. in fall. Because you're like an octopus. You're like an octopus. I mean, you're everywhere. You're if we're business owners, so we're fourth quarter. Okay, like, yeah, what's going on? Like, we're yeah, have all your (laughs) stuff in order. Crazy. And that's how February is, too. It's like you're not quite in full winter. You're not quite in full spring. Um, And it's just I don't do well with those times of transition uncertainty. I like to know where I am, be sunk down in it for good or for bad. I like to know what's happening. Um, <laughs> alas, we still have two months of July before we get to that point, which is great news for the gardener. Yes. Um, so I Thank thought goodness. maybe we could start off today's gardening episode. I want to introduce a new resource to our Ooh. listeners because we get asked all the time, what are those gardening books? What are those gardening books? What my gardening books for me that speak to me are not going to be necessarily what speak to you. And I think that mm-hmm. that's really important to know is that Again, there's no right, wrong, or way to garden. You don't have to grow flowers. You don't have to grow vegetables. You know, I mm-hmm. think it goes without saying. A garden is an, an individual expression of the artist, of the gardener. And I would argue that nobody does that better than who they call the Dutch Rembrandt. Uh, I wish I could say his name correctly. Piet <laughs> Udolf. Do you have this book? I don't. Is that in Dutch? It's not. It's in English. Okay. okay. So Piet no. Udolf is a Dutch gardener from the Netherlands. And Humello is, it's an interesting story. So he built these gardens at his house. Uh-huh. Amazing. Eventually opened up to the public. Eventually created propagation greenhouses that his wife ran. And it was like the hots. That's where you went. If you were a gardener in the Netherlands. Okay. You went to Humello. I know I'm saying that wrong. Please forgive me. Um, Dutch is like, so I got no no idea. (laughs) Yeah. I got nothing. Freaky deaky Dutch. That's what we call it. It's tricky. (laughs) It's so tricky. (laughs) That's from a movie. I don't remember what movie that is. Freaky Freaky deaky Dutch. Dutch. Um, Anyway, so this is really fun because he, and we need to talk, we need to explore this idea. What Piet does so well is he makes gardens, but that look like they were just made by nature. Oh, like those ones on Gardener's World where they're like, they call it a garden. And you're like, that's a park. That looks like and that's what he does. beautiful he does swathes parks. of grasses and beautifully that, coordinated colors throughout the year. Ah, this that, texture. That his, I yeah. mean, he kind of was like the guy. So and we're speaking in the past tense. Is he no, no longer he's with alive. Us? Oh, okay. Oh so my. this book has full color gardens designed. I'm sorry, plans. don't we have like a rule? Why do you have this book and I don't? Every time I get a new book, I instantly tell you about it. Well, I haven't actually read this one cover to cover yet because I got it when I was really tired this spring. <laughs> I'm just and always you just tired. To tell me about I'm just it always for the tired. Last you four guys. months. <laughs> it is so fabulous. So if you are looking to plant a garden, okay, this was one of my favorite spots and I might actually, can you see this patrons? You guys are looking at the print with me. I can, you see these gardens. It's just amazing. So a few things when you're thinking about this garden. So I am planning a new garden and shifting this idea from this hyper curated, um, hybridized, everything's bright, everything flowers all the time, bada bing, bada boom, to this more, for lack of a better word, organic, naturalistic Mm -hmm. sort of approach. So he actually almost uses no hybrid flowers at all because his rule is basically if something goes ugly when a frost comes or when it's done blooming, it doesn't belong in a garden. 
Think about mm. that. That's like 75% of my garden. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what what are your... I wanted to introduce you guys to this, if this is a resource that interests you at all. Um, Hold it up one more time for everybody. It's called Udolf Humello. So Piet Udolf is the Dutch gardener and Humello is the name of his Um yeah, Browns. I'm really excited that you're. I I, I can't. Like, oh, Angela, you're gonna wet yourself when you. Okay, you were gonna ask a question, and then yeah. I want to tell you why I'm so excited about okay. what you just shared. My question to you is: A, do gardens like this be- deserve to be, you know, around our little homesteads, and or, um, that's my question, I guess. B, what are your thoughts are on a garden like this? Something that's. You know, yeah. less garden center, really. Mm-hmm. And if this kind of helps to give you some framework, listeners who aren't looking mm-hmm. at the video, um, one of Piet's rules is that when he does a garden, it's no less than 20% grass. And like grasses that once they go to seed have really beautiful seed heads and reseed themselves. So every like nothing's meant to be pruned back. Everything's meant to flower, go to seed, look beautiful at all the stages mm-hmm. kind of blows my mind <laughs> okay this is really bad because okay. i'm already having a very hard time sleeping at night because of my newest garden idea okay all right give <laughs> this it all this is really bad like I, you're making me sweat here okay Ooh. um i texted you last week that i've really struggled cuz i built that rock wall that rock wall is my baby yes. those walls right And I love it, just seeing it there, stark rock wall, okay? Well, it's three and a half years old now, so it's settled. I did use um, old roofing shingles I found around the property underneath it to kind of give it a base, and then I started building the rocks, but it's settling just a little bit. So I bet it's a good three or four inches lower, like the level of a rock than it was when I started. So it looks a little squatty to me. Okay. I'd like to go rock hunting again and build it up a little bit higher. And then I texted you last week that I want to put like a nice proper English border in front of it. I haven't done that because I haven't been fully committed to the idea of kind of hiding the wall. Obviously, that will distract from the wall. I'm over it. Okay. I want to have something on the outside of the garden because I'm running out of space for my idea for creativity. I don't have any more room to plant flowers unless I start getting rid of veg, which is a whole other story. Because I want to put vegetables somewhere else. Um, But what I wanted to do was run that border along my main wall there. And then that's where the forest where my pine trees begin when you get to the end of it. I wanted to turn it and have it follow the line of the pine trees. But as the border progresses right to left and closer to the forest, I wanted to do what you're saying. I wanted it to get more natural Mm -hmm. And more natural, the closer it gets to the forest line Mm -hmm. so that I could just keep going with it out into the parks and have it look very natural. So I was going to start interjecting miscanthus, Mm -hmm. like grasses and things that can have a beautiful seed pod because we get a frost, you know, pretty early. Yeah. Our, Our season is so short. So if I just rely on perennials and not like the structure and architecture of the plant when it's not in its prime... Like, I'm really screwing myself, quite mm-hmm. frankly, out of a beautiful garden for most of the year. For I've most got to of have the s- year. I've got to have something. But I loved – I got this idea the other day. I'm like, ooh, I'll just get more natural the closer we get to the forest and then just start wrapping it around. So it just kind of blends into the forest eventually. And so you're making me really excited. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I do think there is a place yes, for well, this type of gardening. And yeah. yeah. I think this definitely needs to be the next gardening book on your list then. For sure. Um, I also looked into putting in a traditional English border um, and steered away from it eventually because, you know, what Piet Udoff does is this really, you know, he he loves to garden. And I Mm -hmm. honest to God think one of the reasons he loves to do it so much is because he has really sort of pioneered this natural way of creating Mm -hmm. these gardens so that you're not, you don't have to be out there every day, hacking things back, deadheading, blah. blah. And there's, you know, I love my roses. Okay. Love my hybrid Mm -hmm. roses. I'm going to stick with those, but Mm -hmm. I think there can be this beautiful marriage of both different types. 
you're looking at some of those traditional English borders like you've seen on Gardner's World, for example, there's almost not a higher maintenance garden than an English border. Right? Okay. I mean, there's a reason that you see these at like these estates with gardeners. Yes. And usually they're, you know, 50 feet long, maybe six feet deep. And Mm -hmm. I mean, they're planted just like bada bing, bada boom. Something's coming, something's going. You're Mm -hmm. constantly deadheading. You're constantly having to to divide and move things around so that it looks full because naturally as perennials grow, they start to hollow out in the middle, right? And they they start to donut out a little bit and create further and further. Um, And a lot of those things actually, they say, don't let go to seed, right? Because if it goes to seed, then it starts popping up little babies where maybe the little babies aren't wanted. And mm-hmm. um, and that's what intrigues me so much about this, this sort of hands-off gardening style. I won't say hands-off. It's all very intentional, but this is an interesting thought, listeners. So one of the things that he talks about in this book is to take a picture of your garden and then to turn it black and white. Mm-hmm. And if it looks good in black and white, you're kind of on the right track. Uh, just in terms of delineation and in terms yeah. of, uh, so he uses a lot of dark things against like lighter grasses. Mm-hmm. You got to create that contrast, that interest for when there's not things blooming <laughs> because things are blooming for a very short period of time. And he said, mm-hmm. if you, if you, you know, sort of take a picture of your traditional garden, it'll kind of just look like muddy. It'll all, all the flowers all just kind of like muddy together when you turn them black and white. Hmm. It's all very similar. I think that's kind of an interesting, it's just a completely different way to think about a garden, which is what intrigues me. It's yeah. I, uh, so I remember last year, Amelie, she'll know the episode name so I can ask her when she helps us with the show notes, but there is an episode of Gardener's World. That's a garden in Wales, I believe. And I, I think I, told I know you, which one I'm you're like, talking this about. This garden is yeah. ridiculous. It looks amazing, yeah. even not in season. They've used everything from like the red branches of the dogwood, yeah. the lime green grasses. It's so gorgeous. I love that. Um, this is my year where, I mean, I love, so I love black flowers. So I have black hollyhocks, black pansies, black tulips in the spring. Anytime I can bring in the darker color. But I'm really just um, having a riot learning about other perennials and plants that have like a really dark purple black leaf. Mm-hmm. And I showed you that annual that I've been underplanting my roses with. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't remember the name. I wish I would have thought of that before we sat down. But it's actually a, it's actually part of the wandering Jew family. Mm-hmm. So my favorite house plant that I have in my greenhouse, hanging baskets everywhere. This is the dark, dark purple version of that. I think it starts with an S. Somebody listening. Somebody listening knows. I'll put it in in the show notes. But so it's got like a very pointed, like kind of architectural leaf and stem and it comes out like 18 inches. It looks so beautiful underneath the really soft feminine, you know, mm-hmm. David Austin pale pink roses. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to introduce other darker um, perennials and shrubs where I can. So I just walked through town this morning because there's a great garden in front of one of the pizza shops. And I was just taking notes. I'm like, okay, look what he did here. He's got this big shrub. Um, mm-hmm. I have one in the back. It looks like kind of like a licorice tree. It's got the dark purple rounded leaf. But anything just to give, like you're saying, like in a black and white photograph. So there's some different li- different uh, tones. Different tones. Know? Yeah. Exactly. And it's to me, it's just the same reason why, you know, so many of these English gardens look beautiful because they're up against a hedge yeah. or you or something. It's like, it's the same concept to me as a designer of why you would paint your walls because it gives your, then your perennials mm-hmm. something like to sit against sure. the backdrop. They don't just get lost, especially right now in July and and then August and just that white light where everything just gets sort of lost when your eye looks at it. If you can mm-hmm. stagger some darker colors in with everything else, then at least there's a backdrop. Yeah. Visit AmericanBlossomLinens.com and use the coupon code HOMEMAKERCHIC20. Summer is here. We are line drying our linens or lounging in bed after a long day of gardening. And we are doing both of these things with our American Blossom Linens. 
Softer with each washing, these are our favorite sheets. As fans of vintage linens, these are the best sheets ever. In fact, we call them modern vintage and you need to be sleeping on them. With a process called combing, all the rough fibers are pulled out of these organic Texas-grown cotton sheets. This creates the softest, most beautiful linens for your home. Invest once because American Blossom Linens are woven to last a lifetime. That's right. Invest just once and never again with American Blossom Linens. Visit AmericanBlossomLinens.com and use our exclusive coupon code HomemakerChic20 for 20% off. Jovial Foods has been a longtime sponsor of Homemaker Chic, and we are so grateful for the good food that they add to our pantries. Visit jovialfoods.com. Jovial Foods is an amazing company that was founded by husband and wife team Carla and Rodolfo. After they discovered years ago that their daughter had a gluten sensitivity, they struck out to find grains that her body could easily digest and thrive off of eating, and that led them to einkorn. Einkorn is the oldest variety of wheat that we know about, and it's never been hybridized. It is rich in protein and has a weak gluten structure, which makes it really easy for our bodies to digest. Now Jovial Foods is the top supplier of einkorn flours in the world, and this has gone on to develop into einkorn pastas, Italian olive oils, einkorn snacks, and the top-rated gluten-free pasta line. This flour will change your baking world. So whether you're stocking your pantry with their beans, their oils, their cookies, crackers, pastas, or flours, visit jovialfoods.com to stock your whole food pantry with these amazing products. Visit oldworld.parisianfarmgirl.com. Homemaker Chic listeners, this is Angela, and I am inviting you to join my Old World Design Society. The beautiful, full-color, no-ads Old World Design Society Summer Magazine is now available. And with your magazine purchase, you can be a part of our summer session in our private design forum. A unique combination of a magazine publication and online support group. The Old World Design Society is a place for individuals just like you who cherish the elements of a bygone era. As a part of the Old World Design Society, you can join us this summer and study how to develop a room theme, learn about collecting oil paintings, creating a gallery wall, and we'll look into all the different styles of Old World, British, French, Swedish, and more. Enjoy a quarterly publication, print or digital, and our private society forum. Are you craving design inspiration? Looking to skill up in decorating your home? Visit oldworld.parisianfarmgirl.com, get your summer magazine while they last, and I will see you in the forum, and we will create fabulous spaces together. I think it was Nigel Slater, the British chef, and he's like, I'm basically completely uninterested in summer lighting. And I was like, true that. Amen. (laughs) It's awful. Because I am a photographer, and I do videos and photos for a living, and the summer sun is completely uninteresting to me. It is bleachy. And these gardens that I know are beautiful in the, you know, high sun, Mm -hmm. high July sun, they don't look good. So if you're feeling Mm -hmm. a little discouraged about your space, don't. It's not you. Get up really early (laughs) and then go look at it. It's the summer Mm -hmm. sun. It's It's just not interesting. I made a note to myself. I was like, do not grow any annuals that bloom in July that are not hot or deep saturated colors. Because I know that you love the little soft cosmos, the little beautiful soft pink cosmos. They're lost. They're completely lost in the bleachy sun. Mm-hmm. And maybe if I lived in Britain where um at least, you know, it's a little the summers are a little bit different because there's clouds, mm-hmm. uh maybe that would be a different situation. But I like in the what you were saying before, I like in that to cooking when you have to have a contrast mm-hmm. or it's yeah. oatmeal. Right. Say the only way to make oatmeal not as boring is to put in like ripe, beautiful raspberries or toasted pecans. You know, mm-hmm. you, you're adding something that contrasts. We're having the mushy with the crunchy or the hot with the cold mm-hmm. or the salty with the sweet. And if you're feeling a little blase about your space, 
that is the best thing that you can do. Like you were saying, you've got this feminine rose with this more architectural sort of ground cover underneath it, always with the contrast, Mm -hmm. always. I feel like grasses in general are where I've kind of let my garden down the most um, or where I've missed the boat in the biggest way. How do you... Like, how do you feel about them? And like, how long have you been, I'm just going to keep using Gardener's World. How long have you been watching Gardener's World and seeing them use grasses and go, is that above my skill set? Can I do that? Well, I've watched Monty. He's been into grasses for a while. He didn't used to Uh be. He is very much into grasses now. And I just kind of thought like, yeah, that's pretty, but like maybe a little boring. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's just a maturity thing. It's kind of how like mm-hmm. you could listen to a pop song and be like, Ooh, I get it. Great. Not complicated. Super cool. Lots of punch. We're feeling it. Uh, and mm-hmm. then maybe you listen to like Chopin and you're like, yeah, I don't get it. <laughs> Boring. Like I can't sing along. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think there is a maturing that happens as a gardener. I think yes. if you're new to garden gardening, by all means, go to Lowe's and get your hybrid flowers and plant those pots, do something. Mm-hmm. Yes. And amen. Um, yeah. But I think one of the things we love as gardeners is the torture that comes <laughs> along with it. <laughs> gluttons. We're gluttons for punishment. We are gluttons for work and yeah. we are gluttons for for this or we wouldn't do it. I mean, this is mm-hmm. why you see gardeners out there sweating their faces off because they love it or redoing an area for the third time because they're not perfectly happy with it. I mean, mm-hmm. You're working it and you're reworking it and you're reworking it. And I think there are stages of gardening. I mean, we talked about this before. The first plant I planted here on our property was a crazy, bright, vibrant orange poppy. And I thought it was beautiful in and of itself. I didn't Mm -hmm. give any thought to the context in which it was planted, what would be planted next to it, what color scheme I was. I didn't think about any of it. I just thought this is a pretty flower. And I'm going to plant it. And thank God I did because you have to start somewhere. Mm -hmm. And now as this develops, I mean, I think grasses, there are so many amazing grasses. So when we put our wildlife pond in. Do you have any? Yeah. We just did a video on this on YouTube if y'all want to see it. Because actually you can see the grasses in this video. I went to Lowe's and, oh, student plugged my camera I just lost your video. Yeah. Hey, Stu. (laughs) (laughs) I'll have him come fix it in a sec. Um, okay. So when we were doing this pond, I wanted it to feel natural. And part mm-hmm. of that meant grasses because what grows, right. the camera died. Uh, because a lot of that grows around a wildlife pond. Anyway, we right. planted a bunch of grasses. They grew in this year. They went to seed this year. And it's everything and more that I could have possibly hoped that it would be. Mm. And so that was the moment when I stopped fighting it and sort of started embracing it. Mm-hmm. Um where things got a lot better. And I thought, oh, maybe this doesn't have to be actually quite as hard as I'm making it. Yeah. I did grasses. I, I, well, I have some in my purple fountain grass is my favorite. I love it. It's an annual. I don't know if I can, I'm going to try to bring it in and see what I can do. I don't know if I, if that'll make a difference. Okay. Um, but I have that in my urns and then around my pond, I have, I remember I remember years, years ago, as a child, my grandma put grasses in around her pool. Oh, okay. I was like, really? Clever. You're a ger- you're a geranium. You're a farmer's wife. You know, you're yeah. a geranium hardware store annuals kind of girl. And she put, and they got huge. And some of them would get like 10, 12 feet tall in the summer. And it was incredible because yeah. the breeze was always blowing and it looked so great next to the water. So I did put a couple in by our pond that are going to get really big and some fun ones, like one called King Tut has like fun plumes at the top and different colors and they're on a hill. So it's going to give movement because we have the willow tree and the breeze and yeah. To me, that's a huge part of it is the movement. Mm -hmm. Um, We planted some wildflower meadows last year and frankly, I Mm -hmm. did this because I was being lazy y'all. It was like, I can't fight one more area of grass. Mm -hmm. I can't. So instead... I'm going to mow a row down, line down like a walking path through the middle. I'm going to mm-hmm. let the grass grow on both sides. I'm going to interplant the grass with clover, a perennial clover and some wildflowers. So I didn't mm-hmm. till it. I did. I literally just threw the seed out there, 
amongst the grass and watered it. And it's one of those spots that the grass can go wild. And in doing that, I realized, hey, there's like something to this for people who can't be out there weeding for 16 hours a week. Um, man, the things that you could achieve with grasses without fighting things, mm-hmm. actually working with them. Yeah. It's like a completely yeah. different concept. There's a house here that uh, I looked at years ago. It was to barn rehab. And I think a long time ago, I put it on Instagram because it's just so beautiful. They did such a great job. It's empty forever. And then they turned it into like this French provincial oasis but they've done that because it's so wild here like it's just it's all wildflowers and weeds and shrubs and they just used it to their advantage and right let everything they put the lavender fields in the back on the hills they're manicured they're beautiful and then go, coming up to the house they've just taken the tractor through and cleared paths mm-hmm. and it's so gorgeous and it blends out goes all the way out into the road uh i love that feeling like i came back thinking okay Again, with the same kind of what you said, I can't, I can't fight every battle. Right. Okay. I have this forest full of weeds and wildflowers. Like I, I can't, I can't tame that. I don't have time. I'm just one person. Right. So how can I work with that? Uh, Last year in my orchard. So Prince Charles has an orchard. It's so beautiful. He's turned it into a blue flower meadow. Mm -hmm. It's so gorgeous. So I tried that. I was like, well. Chuck can do it. I can do it. Right. So I ordered a bag of uh, blue seed from Eden, Eden Brothers, and put that down in my orchard. And it was slightly um, mislabeled. <laughs> so it's lots of different colors. And we did that last year. We let the whole orchard go to meadow. And I couldn't decide if I liked it or not. Uh, so this year we're keeping it mowed. So okay. keeping it really tight and nice and tidy this year and going to compare with how I feel about that from last year. Hmm. But maybe making paths through it would be Mm -hmm. the answer. Might be the answer. I think Mm -hmm. that's a really good question to ask as a gardener is, I mean, if you're in Arizona and you're trying to make a blue bonnet meadow, good luck. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You're not like you just you cannot fight nature in that way. Uh, Taming it and tweaking it and using it. Absolutely. Um, But I think you have to be realistic about what you're capable of. Um, We talk a lot, obviously, about Monty Don on this podcast. Monty Don has a crew of gardeners. Mm -hmm. And I know I've... Have you ever seen his soil when he goes to dig into it? Do you think it just looks like that all the time? No, he has a crew of people who help him to maintain his Mm -hmm. gardens, which is why he's able to have an acre of box hedges that are always kept. Um, Now, if you're not going to get out there with your little pruners... And prune your box hedges. Like, don't do, don't plant them. Maybe box isn't maybe box <laughs> isn't for you. And I think, yeah. I and that's what I when people say, oh, I don't have time to garden. Like, I love gardening. I'd love to have a garden. I mean, we've had so many people to our house this year that are just yeah. like, I can't believe what y'all have done. And and I think they think that just because most people's yeah. concept of a garden is like, you know, a five Contained. by three bed. Yeah. Next to the lawn that borders your house. Mm-hmm. I mean, on the whole, people don't see like a walk through garden space. Um, but when people say, oh, I, I wouldn't have the time for that. I just want to be like, that's not true. I mean, if it's something you want to do, there are mm-hmm. ways that you can do it in really hands off sort of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of what directed me back to this Humello book because... I am kicking my chickens out of their coop. <laughs> if y'all follow me on Instagram, you've seen my chicken coop. It's beautiful. We had it built a couple of years ago. And I thought, I want this to be like the coop of my dreams. It's going to be amazing. We're going to put old vintage windows in it and put cedar shingles on it. And it is. It's fabulous. It's, yeah. Too fabulous for chickens. <laughs> Turns out. So I'm kicking them away from my gardens because I'm tired of smelling them. Because with it's 115 degrees. Oh, it's rank. Let me tell you what a chicken house smells like. (laughs) It is rank. And it really bothers me that I'm walking through these chamomile fields and I smell chicken poop. Yeah. It's really discouraging. 
Mm-hmm. So Stu's, um, we're just moving them to a new netted area where we have another little shelter and it's not going to be nearly as charming, but I don't care. They don't care either. They don't care either because they literally just poop it. on everything. They're like my children. I love it on social media when they show like furniture and a chandelier and everything. I'm like, you realize like chicken owners know that's the day you built the coop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. I've put it. I mean, I, I've put a chandelier in my chicken coop. They're like a cobweb filled, disgusting Dirty, dusty. Well, and again, mess. pick your poison. Like yeah. if you got 10 chickens and this is your thing and this is your way to get your farm kicks, by all means, get out there and dust that chandelier once a week and clean out those nesting boxes and wipe off the True. wallpaper. There are and people that take better totally. care of coop and than do I do. It. True. By True. all means, Fair enough. do it. I have come to learn mm-hmm. the type of chicken owner I am, which is basically like, I don't want to see you. You don't want to see me. I will just take your Show eggs. me the eggs. <laughs> Show me the eggs. <laughs> so they're getting moved. And we are okay. going to turn our chicken coop into a little tiny house slash office. Fabulous. So we will Wonderful. be recording the podcast from there where we will not have many interruptions, which will be great. All that's to say the entire chicken run fencing, which is a large piece of land, is going to be coming yeah. out. Thank God. It was never right in the first place. Fencing. Whew. We could talk about trying to do things on a budget and then having to redo them seven times. Fencing. All the fencing's coming out. And I now have, I would say, probably a new quarter of an acre that has been chicken pooed and wiped to oblivion. And I mean, it is ground zero for what's next, what's to come. And I am overwhelmed with the amount of ideas that I have for this space. But I can't, I don't think I can physically weed more or like maintain that much more. Yeah. And so that's kind of the concept I'm looking at it now with is how can I do this in a way that mm-hmm. doesn't require so much of me as a gardener? Well, it's it's uh twofold good news too because you know if you go that direction because you can employ your Charles Downing big method. time. Start with that. <sighs> you know, instead of busting out the rototiller and Pulling those perennial weeds that have been there forever. I mean, it's probably pretty decimated thanks to the chickens, yeah. but you can start with that at least. Yeah. It looks like the surface of Mars, their chicken run. Oh, they just scratch it. It's amazing. Like they just, it's just, that's how my run is. Yeah. It's huge. It's just barren. Yeah. It's completely barren. How did you do that? I don't know. Yeah. There are a couple of lilac bushes in there that were there when we moved in, which is great. Mm-hmm. I, I've always, they're beautiful and I want to show them off in the garden. But they've been behind a chicken fence, which they don't deserve. Mm-hmm. They don't deserve those lilacs because they eat all the leaves off the bottom. Um, mm. It is the no dig method for perennial gardens, uh, and I know we need to we need to talk about vegetables, but superb. And I say this as somebody who has done it many, many, many ways. Mm-hmm. Cardboard over where you want to put your garden, big, nice, thick, sturdy cardboard. Good bagged compost. Um, and if your property is anything like mine, I can't get a tractor almost anywhere on my property. Um, especially into my gardens when you're talking to all the little pat tight garden gravel paths, right. good luck. So it's either that or a wheelbarrow, neither of which are ideal. So I've just started buying bagged compost, which is a little bit more expensive, actually not that much more expensive. And that way I can just pick it up. It's a nice weight for one person to carry, mm-hmm. carry it to where the new garden will be. Easily spread it. There's no shoveling. There's no dumping a wheelbarrow, which is awkward. I find it awkward. Um, Clunky. Clunky. Mm -hmm. Such a great method for starting flower beds. It makes it feel possible. Yeah. Yeah. uh, I'm trying to decide when, you know, if I put the cardboard down for said English border now and start to kill things off, uh, that's going to be pretty ugly. Yeah, for the rest of the season. Put compost but over at the right same away. Time, I'd lo- but I know, but it's like I'd love to plant in the fall. I might actually do a little rent a sod cutter, like the manual one, because the big strip in front of my uh, stone wall is all that wild thyme, and it is so beautiful. And I'd love to go just move it somewhere else. Mm. The middle of the yard is kind of barren. The lawn is 
just yeah. ugly and dead spots. Maybe I could move it out there and keep it watered for a few weeks or something. Because mm-hmm. I would hate to. It's a lot of wild time. Mm-hmm. It's so beautiful. So, you know, I was thinking like um, as far as resources, you know, Monty or Charles or like the books you're looking at, the books we look at. It's it's okay, and I think highly advisable to to base your resources on your skill level. I mean, of yes. course, get some really good books about gardens that are just astronomical and over the top for for what you're if you're just starting out. But but go ahead and just start with some basic, you know, flower bed gardening mm-hmm. books or something really simple that's going to give you something that you can really sink your teeth into and use in your space. I think the methods that mm-hmm. um, more advanced gardeners have can be very inspirational and useful, but I think it's easy to get uh, sort of paralyzed and intimidated, like, well, I could never create something on such a grand scape, you know, such a grand level. Start with something a little bit simpler. Oh, I think the point at, I think the point is you got to fall in love with gardening. And mm-hmm. I would venture yeah, so that's far just as it. to and say you do that by success. Yes, it's like totally you do that by being successful. Yeah, yeah. I would venture so far as to say that you do. You certainly do not have to be a gardener to be a homemaker. Obviously, but no. <laughs> I think gardening is one of those things that can slather a layer of enjoyment and beauty and purpose. Mm-hmm and intention, and all the good things onto homemaking, like very few hobbies can. Mm-hmm. Because what are we, think about, we're creating a space of comfort. We're creating a space of beauty. We're creating a resource for our family. Um, that's kind of what we're doing as a homemaker. We're, we're feeding our people. We're cultivating a home. That is what a garden does. And there mm-hmm. are other methods to achieve the same means. Um, but I think there is a reason that when we think of, when we kind of piece together, uh, ideas of homemakers or, or, you know, comfortable home comforting settings, there's Mm -hmm. usually a garden. There's usually something that the homeowner has cultivated some sort of space that the homeowner has cultivated. And I think this is why you do see balcony apartments in places like Manhattan. Like you still mm-hmm. see those. Why? Well, because you want to put your hand balcony to gardens. Yes. Yeah. What did yeah. I say? Oh, you said apartments. Okay. Yeah. Oh, just, yes. Balcony yeah. gardens. Yes, exactly. I think that's why you see that because there's something about, you know, harvesting your little flowers and putting them on a vase on right. your table or just grabbing a little bit of fresh rosemary and putting it in your omelet in the morning. Mm-hmm. There's something about that that is good to us. Yeah, I think a lot of people discovered that last year. Um, just even in, I mean, look at how look at the trend in houseplants. Oh my in gosh! The last eighteen months, every. <sighs> I mean, I think a lot of people have had yeah, like their moment where they've realized, oh, caring for something, tending to something, bringing this greenery yeah. into a blank space, whether it's uh, you know herbs on your windowsill or or a little collection of houseplants in the corner of your living room. You know, I think it's a lot of people got a hankering for it in the last year and a half. Big time. Yeah. And there's all sorts, you know, it's a, however you start with gardening, um, you know, it's going to be like, it's like a gateway. Yeah. You know, whether you start with a few herbs from the checkout lane and you just put them on your kitchen counter and you're like, well, that was fun. Yeah. That's beautiful. I can use that. And then you get a house plan or somebody gives you a cutting, or your grandmother says, would you like to take a chunk of this? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. We like that. This is a, this is a good mm-hmm. thing for the homemaker. Yeah. And it should be something that enhances your experience as a homemaker, enhances the, the experience people have when they come to your house or the experience that people mm-hmm. have when they're living in your house. Like this should be, this should be a, a source of joy for you. Should be a good thing. Yeah. Um, okay. We have a little bit of time left, so let's venture out to the vegetable garden. Do we have to? Uh, (laughs) I'm sort of protesting mine right now because it's, I have a poison ivy problem and I still have it all over my arms and it's making me crazy. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, I did. I was out on my walk the other day. We do have bindweed. Okay. 
Keep that away. Saw it on my walk. And I think that's, I think that's, I think maybe that is what I have, but it's just so fledgling. I just, it's not really um, taken root, pardon the pun, in my garden, but it's definitely out on the road. The little winding and the little white flowers and I hate it. I can't believe you still have poison ivy. Well, yeah, I mean, I need to, I need to spray some of it. I don't, there's, that's (sighs) it. Marseille encouraged me. She's like, don't be a purist. Like this is bad. <laughs> this is not yeah. something that you want to have growing in your vegetables. Um, uh, it sounds like a total pain in the rear, but someone told me to use boiling vinegar if you're not wanting okay. to use a Monsanto product. On yeah. poison ivy. On who keeps FaceTiming me for the love? <laughs> I need like an on air button. Is there a um, button that just like Makes it so you, stuff doesn't happen on your anymore. computer. Right. Like she's dead. Anyway, she's no longer with us. She's on Mars. Please don't yeah. send her any DMs. She can't take it. Oh my gosh, that's a whole nother episode. I need. I don't want DMs. Let's I don't talk. want Facebook Messenger. Let's do I an episode on like form of moms on social please. media, like homemakers please. on social media, and how we gotta keep that. We should do an episode on that. Um, uh. What was I just saying? Oh, yeah. So she, so I've tried vinegar before and it kind of kills them. Yeah. Kind of makes them mad. But she said, no, no, no. Boiling vinegar. Which sounded like a pain. Like yeah. I'm boiling it on a kettle in my summer kitchen. Then I'm quick pouring it in the Hudson sprayer. And then I'm wandering around as quick as I can trying to <laughs> bo- spray this hot liquid everywhere. I don't know if I can. Sounds really bad. Yeah. And hot liquid in a but, sprayer. Ugh. I don't know about but that. But for the purist. I don't know if I can bring myself to use Roundup. So for the purest, yeah, give it a give it a go. There's maybe your alternative. <laughs> I don't know because my rock wall is bad. I have wild onions, like an oregano. That's all it is. It's like its own garden. Perfect. Why grow anything else? That's it. Yeah, that's all you get. Oh, and I have my first mole. Ooh, not very happy about it. You're gonna need to get what an outside cat. That's how we got rid of our moles. We had a... I know, but I have a sandbox. I have a giant sandbox. That's, yeah. Which is mm-hmm. funny because we have outdoor cats. They have completely taken care of our mole problem, which was quite... It was an infestation when we moved in. So when I told Stu that you got a sandbox for Junior, I was like, isn't this a great idea? He's like, you know what our cats would do in that, don't you? <laughs> um, yeah. We actually got rid of all our outdoor cats so we could have a sandbox. I was like, I feel like my son oh, needs to... Oh, tricky. All oh, the tangle webs we weave. Which do I want right? more? Um, moles are brutal. They will eat all your root vegetables off overnight. All your carrots, all your beets. Oh no, there's gone. like little, there's little, yeah, like teeth marks in my beets. Yep. They are not very the beets. happy about it. They like mm-hmm. the beets. Um, that's tricky. So does anything work? Uh, yeah, Poison. cats. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it! No, um, we've done traps before. But there, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't particularly find any joy out of trapping things and trying to guess where they're coming up, and like that's just not my thing. So I don't know. I literally kind of thought like my snakes would take. I have hundreds of snakes in my garden. I was really hoping that would kind of detour yeah. them. I've never had a rodent per se. In my garden. And this is like straight up in my cottage garden. He lives, and there's probably more than one. I'm not stupid. Uh, in the rock wall. Yeah. And Joel got this like annoying steak that goes like, me, me, like every 30 seconds, which sort of ruins the vibe of being in my garden. Yeah. It's supposed to vibrate the ground. I don't know. I've never found anything like that to work. I will say that. Sounds like a waste of money. Yeah. You know, like maybe uh, boiling vinegar. Maybe I'll just spray it with boiling there vinegar. There you go. Um, Yonder Way Farm. I think it was Yonder Way Farm on Instagram. They're great. If I lived in Houston, I would not grow anything. I would just buy all their stuff. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like you be my farmer. You're way better at it. Mm-hmm. But um, he sort of talks. I remember one time he was talking about planting some for you and some for the critters, you know. And he was like, same for the chickens. You know, they do free range chickens, these huge chicken houses on this amazing open Texas land. And he's like, do we lose them to predators? Yeah, all the time. Like we have to uh-huh. account for that, that mm-hmm. there's some for us to get the eggs some from. For the and there are some for the coyotes and there are some for yeah. the eagle. Like this is a part mm-hmm. of things. And so mm-hmm. 
obviously moles can be a problem when they get to, to a really uh, unbalanced level. But sometimes mm-hmm. when I bring carrots in for breakfast and they have the little mole nibbles, it just makes me laugh. Like this is here. We look how look what we get to see. This is, you know, it's funny till they eat like my dahlia. No, I know. I know. There's a line. <laughs> no, there's a line. Yeah. Um, And that can mm. be really tricky. They also love tulip bulbs. Daffodil oh, bulbs. For the love. I just like started building my tulip cart last night. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to sell one of my children. <laughs> Does anyone have an extra kidney? Please. Please. It is time. Um, Well, I was feeling quite achieved because I we harvested an actual like crop of apricots from a tree that we planted five years ago. I did it. I got my butt out there and I did it and I sweated my face off, but I did it and it felt so great. If any of you have planted fruit trees out there and kept moving and then planted them again and lost them to critters or lost them to fire blight or like, you know what this moment means. It was beautiful, just beautiful. And then we ventured up after we got the apricots all picked, we went up to the market garden and realized that in the heat that we've been experiencing, uh, I don't know if I've said this before in the podcast, but it's been really hot here. All the the cabbages split because cabbages would like it better in Britain than they would here. Mm -hmm. Uh, So when it gets really hot, cabbages swell. They take up all the water, try to keep themselves vibrant. And what happens when they do that is they split. Mm -hmm. Looks like they kind of explode a little bit. So I made 12 gallons of sauerkraut and kimchi on Saturday morning. Wow. It was a lot. But I did it and I'm feeling so, what's the word? Empowered. (laughs) So listeners, if you want to know how to do this, even if you don't grow cabbages, you get some from a farmer's market, um, Mm -hmm. a thousand grams, which is one kilogram of shredded cabbage, 3% salt. So about 30 grams of salt. I don't actually mush mine up that much, just a little bit. But you know how you read the recipes and it's like mush it until the liquid. Mush it till it covers. I'm like, tomorrow? (laughs) I'm not interested in that. So what I do is I put. I don't do that. A thousand grams in a bowl. Sprinkle Mm -hmm. the salt over the top. Massage it in just to get the salt Mm -hmm. even. Shove it into a glass jar. Let it hang for a minute because it will like really start to sink down. It'll start to compress. Mm -hmm. Add a little bit more in. It'll all fit in. Then top it off with water. Keep it at room temperature for about three days. Do burp it a little bit. You don't want to let oxygen in, but I use those really great gallon jars that Azur sells with the plastic lids. Mm -hmm. So I just unscrew a little bit, let it get out some of that gas, and then move them to a cold room. And they, I got a lot of questions about this. It'll stay in the refrigerator for years. A very long time. Um... So it's like dead simple. Kimchi is a little bit more complicated because you're adding in all those yummy Korean flavors. You're adding in mm-hmm. fish sauce and scallion and ginger and garlic, um, miso. I add miso to mine, but same mm-hmm. concept, just different flavorings. I think if I could only preserve one thing each year, it would be cabbage. Okay. What about you? My barrel pickles. Barrel pickles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of a sucker for the barrel pickles. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what I like. I mean, I'm being silly, but what I like more the taste or just how beautiful they look. Because I put nasturtiums in there and the neon green of the dill. And, yeah. Oof, yeah. Just so pretty. Um, Speaking of dill. Okay, now I'm going to go back to my flower garden just for a second. I have this little area of my garden that is so beautiful. I don't really know what to do with myself. It's Lady of... Do you say Lady of Shalot or Lady of Shalot? Shalot. Shalot, yeah. Lady of Shalot, uh, Rose. And then I have like, I don't know, cow parsley or something that came up from a few years ago. Dill that I didn't plant that came up from last year. And the purple globe thistle, like those four things next to each other. Mm -hmm. I can't take it. It's right by my fountain. And then I got to thinking, you know what would make this perfect is... 
creating the backdrop with my black hollyhocks, mm. then that would be just amazing. I was th- I was picturing frogs. That's what I would say to make a perfect frogs in your fountain. That's what I would want to photograph. Uh, it's too high. Oh. Yeah. It's my fountain fountain, my concrete Gotcha. Fountain. Yeah. I have frogs everywhere else. Gotcha. Yeah. Oh, yeah. More of that. But yeah, the dill and the barrel pickles like that. Yeah. Those are my favorite. And I make them my jardinera every year. Mm. So I've been growing those are um, my two favorite things. A lot of white dill, which does not taste at all like dill, but it looks yeah, like that's cow what parsley. Mine is. It's not yeah, it's not cow parsley, it's white dill. Yeah. Yeah. It's so beautiful. It looks a it lot is. like Queen Anne's lace, but isn't invasive. Mm-hmm. It's just mm-hmm. self-seeds every year for the most part, although I always save a few seed heads and just sprinkle. They're the easiest annual to grow. Oh my gosh. They are. And it's just so I love uh anything in the wind. Anything you know, in the wind. Whatever the plant does in the wind. Yes. Like it gets extra points. Yes. Big time. Whirling mm-hmm. butterflies. Do you grow that flower? Whirling butterflies. Mm-mm. I don't even know what that is. Um, it, has, it goes by another name. Marseille taught me whirling butterflies, but it's also called um, poop. I'm hmm. not called that. <laughs> it's not called. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what is it called? I don't know. I'm going to look it up really fast. I brought Talk in like yourselves. a bajillion pounds of uh, yellow beets yesterday. And then my reds are next. Mm-hmm. And then I have more kale than I know what to do with. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where I am right now. Everything else, I'm going to be behind you at this point on everything else as far as tomatoes and peppers and cukes. I told Joel, I said, look, you know, you do have to kind of look at your surroundings and call it. And I know, I'm sorry, I keep playing with this hair clip. Yeah. I think it snapped a few times while I've been talking. Um, I know um, there are people around here that grow amazing cucumbers and peppers and tomatoes. I just don't know if I'm that person. <laughs> I think they really need to be grown in a greenhouse. Yeah. That makes sense in your area. I went and looked at this guy's garden this morning. I said, like, what? <laughs> Did you start these from seed in October? Because mm-hmm. we live down the road. Why do yours look like this and mine? So, yeah, I think they just need heat. Yeah, they do. More heat than I can yeah. get them. <laughs> Those Mediterranean plants grown in north- mm-hmm. northern Wisconsin. <laughs> Darn Who would have thought? <laughs> Who would have thought? Wandflower is what it's also called. J-O-U-N? Wand. Wand. Oh, I thought you said wandflower. Wandflower. Okay. <laughs> Never heard of it. Wandflower. Wandflower. Well, I don't know. Gosh. I thought that's what you said. Like, maybe it's from San Juan, Puerto Rico. I don't know. I didn't know what you meant. Jeez, oh, Pete. (laughs) Oh, Juan. (laughs) All right. Oh, that's so good. That is so good. Um, Okay, well. That's it for today. I got to get outside okay. and harvest this lavender. I've put it off long enough. I'm just going to have to put on my bee suit to do it. I cannot I cannot get oh, up yeah. early enough to beat the bees. They are just there. And I'm I'm literally going to have to put on my bee suit to harvest it. That sounds really hot and horrible. Yeah, it's going to be. But I've already missed an entire... Are you going to take it all or are you going to leave some of it? No, you got to take it all because it's... I have two big patches of lavender. I have them sporadically mm-hmm. out through the garden, but I have two pretty significant patches. One of them, yeah. you should harvest a lavender flower, people, when it's basically half bloomed. So the top right. half should be closed buds. The bottom half should be open flowers. That's the perfect time to harvest it. One of my whole patches has already gone. It's They're starting to brown. We're done here. <laughs> so I need to just hack it back because it does not look good once it's at that stage. It's not pretty. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one, I, I, I can maybe just get it. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. I hate doing I know. it. I hate it. Um, those ones, when I miss them though, then I bundle them for fire starters for the winter. That's a great idea. That is a great idea. I will do that. Um, it gives me all the warm, fuzzy yeah. feelings yeah. in the winter. I'm like, Ooh, remember your garden. Yeah. It's coming. Yeah. I've actually learned in my older age, I enjoy doing that kind of stuff way more than like the practical stuff. Oh, I'm a nerd. I love all the fussy, <laughs> yeah. stupid, yeah. crafty. Like, forget the projects. carrot harvest that will feed us. 
Let's oh, yeah. make some like lavender sort of little bundles. bundles. Can I tie together? And exactly. <laughs> I love it. It makes me feel so um actually I don't have an adjective yeah. for it. I don't have a descriptive word for what those little garden projects what they do for me. Yeah. But I could do them all day. Yeah. They're very romantic. They're romantic. That's what they are. They're very romantic yeah. for me. Yeah. Yeah. And hey, we're supposed to see the romance. Yes, so. absolutely. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, thank you again, patrons, for showing your love to the podcast. Do visit us, patreon.com forward slash Homemaker Chic Podcast, if you would like to show your love to the podcast. And of course, we have two more weeks left of this, I mean, actually just a week left of this special bubbly promotion. So you get a killer deal on that and your free bubbly stopper. So do that, friends. Visit dryfarmwines.com forward slash Homemaker Chic Sparkling. Stock your wine cabinet with three, six, nine, or 12 bottles. Enjoy that beautiful complimentary wine cork, that wine stopper from Dry Farms. And join us as we, as Shay says, chicify our wine cabinet. Of course, thank you to all of our sponsors who help keep Homemaker Chic on the air. Do show some love to them. Links are in the show notes or always on our website, homemakerchicpodcast.com. If you forget a coupon code or aren't sure what we're talking about. Um, I think that's it. Okay. We'll see you guys yep. back here on Thursday. Go plant something. Go plant something. Go smell the roses. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Go smell the lavender. And amen. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.